Welcome to the Parent Podcast, where each week we'll discuss topics relevant to parents. Whether you are expecting the arrival of your first child or have kids preparing to graduate from college, we've got you covered. Each week, we'll bring on different guests who will provide their expertise and perspective in an effort to remind you that you are not alone in this journey and encourage you as you raise and lead your family. Hello, parents, and uh, welcome back to the Parent Podcast. We are glad you are here, and we, uh, we're pretty excited for our topic today. But before we get to that, I need to introduce my co-host. Nobody else knows this, but Derek, you're on a completely different side of the room where we record, and it's honestly throwing me off just a little bit. I like to change things up. Right. So I think in every, I mean, you can't see us, but I think in every podcast, I've sat in a different spot. Have you? I think I have. Okay. I got to keep going because we were, we were at the table in one. We were at the table. Then I sat, well, I don't know why we're doing this. No one else knows any of this except (laughs) for us. So they're just kind of like, when do we get to the good stuff? today, but I thought that was pretty high quality content we just provided. That's like behind the scene podcast. That is you know more what? like behind the scene stuff. I can tell it's messing with you. It's 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 throwing me off. I'm in a different spot That's too. That's good. Keep you on your toes. Maybe keep the brain working. That's right. Keep keep it all going the right direction. So well, we're looking for a high quality podcast today then. <laughs> it's going to be maybe the best one we've ever done. And I know that actually because of who our guest is today. We have... The Autumn Ridge Church missions pastor, Woody Rowland. You never know what's going to happen. The X Factor. Right. Woody is just off the wall, but one of the best people we know. Woody, how are you? I'm doing fine, but I would like to point out to both of you that I'm in a different place this week, too, mm. because I have never been here before. That's true. It's that a new true. place for him as well. So, but Woody, we are so glad uh, that you are joining us today to talk about, well, families and and missions and and kind of how those two worlds go together, right? Well, that's the topic you invited me for, Robert. That so is the I topic. suppose that's what we're going to talk that's about. That's right. Should I we give the people who don't know who Woody is Absolutely. a little context about his qualifications to talk about missions? Is Woody qualified to talk Which about missions? Which I think missions? is pretty extensive. Is it? I don't know. Woody's never, ever mentioned any of the places he's been never. As, a, as a missions pastor. Never told pastor. you a story either. You've never shared a story no. at a, any never meeting we've ever been corrected my English trying to <laughs> say Spanish things. Or Woody, give, give us your favorite Spanish word to say right here, right now. No puedo pensar ni una palabra que sería mi favorita. I don't even know what it was said, but it was beautiful. I think favorita was maybe favorite. He's probably saying that we're his favorite pastors at Autumn Ridge Church. I no. think that's what he's saying. No, saying we're going to go ahead and move on from that. Thing. I think that's exactly what he said. And so everybody now knows that Ooh. we are his favorite pastors at Autumn Ridge. And I always Ridge. kind of suspected it. Woody, why don't you <laughs> share with everybody your background, how you came to be a missions pastor? I know it's been many, many years. Well, first of all, I would like to say I... Whenever I tell that story, I have to say that I never wanted to even be a Christian. So for me, to find that I'd crossed over and I'd actually become a Christian was uh, one of the most difficult surprises that I ever had to deal with, to realize that I was a Christian. And then as a Christian, I never, ever, ever wanted to be a missionary because I actually had an aunt and an uncle who served as missionaries for years in Medellin, Colombia. I did not want to be like them. I knew missionaries smelled like mothballs because my aunt and uncle would take all their winter clothes out of storage with mothballs back in those years. And they would use that clothing when they were back in Minnesota and then they'd put it back in storage again. So I knew all missionaries smelled like mothballs. 
they, they did not have something that was such attractive to me in life. However, I came to the place where I fell in love with a young lady named Sue. Her father was an elder at this church, and he is part of the missions board. And when I went to ask him if I could um, have his blessing to ask Susan to marry me, first of all, he asked me, Woody, do you think you're smart enough to marry Susan? I, I have to admit that was a little bit painful, but I managed to get past <laughs> it. And then he asked me what our plans were, and I, I told him some plans, and I told him some more plans. And, and finally, I had run out of plans for life. And he said, well, what do you want to do after that? And I looked over his shoulder, and I saw missionary prayer cards. And I said... I think we'd try, like to try transcultural missions. And he said, really? I said, yes. He said, great, you have my blessing to ask Susan to marry you. And so I literally left that room with Dr. Sautel, and I said, I've got good news and I've got bad news. <laughs> the good news is we get to get married, and the bad news is we're going to be missionaries. We're locked in. <laughs> this is, and he never asked me anything after that. We were sent out by this church in 1978 to go to La Paz, Bolivia, to uh, do a church planting effort with a team there. And I was the team leader of eight missionaries, and we served in La Paz for a total of 12 years. And I have to tell you, uh, more than anything I was ever able to give to it, I received from it. From the experience, from the things I learned from Bolivians, from the things I, I grew in my own spiritual life, I have to say I received much more than I was ever able to give. And so that was the beginning of our missionary's career. In fact, eventually we spent about 36 years involved in the work in Latin America. And that took us all throughout Latin America and eventually all through the world. And uh, my daughters counted up one time, and I believe I've had the opportunity to minister in 65 different countries. I've been in more, but had have had a chance to minister or work in 65 different countries. That's kind of how it happened. I wanted to marry a girl. I don't. This is a theme I've been hearing for the last several years people say something like, I will never, and God just sits back and goes, oh yeah, guess uh, what? <laughs> in 1990, I became ill with typhoid fever, and I could no longer remain in La Paz, Bolivia. We were living at 12,500 feet above sea level. Some of our work was taking place at 16,000 feet. And the typhoid had given me some cardiac arrhythmia, so I couldn't, I couldn't stay there. And as we were coming back to the States, I told God two things. I told God, never send me to a church with a building program, because I, I simply don't want to be involved in that. And two, never send me back to Chicago, because we had done part of our missions education in Chicago. And sure enough, uh, a church in Lafayette, Louisiana called us, and uh, we accepted that call. And the day we accepted the call, lightning fell from the sky, the building burned to the ground, and we were in a building program before we ever arrived in the ground. Second, three years after that, we were looking, what's our next opportunity? What turned out was we were going back to Chicago. And that's just how God works sometimes. I, yeah. I used to say to him, never give me a million dollars for ministry. <laughs> we were leaving Costa Rica. I had the, the property evaluated that we had had a chance to see developed. It was training Latin missionaries. The evaluation came in at $1.6 million. Absolutely incredible. That's awesome. So what do you said you've, you've been in Bolivia? What are some of the other uh, areas in the world that you've been to for mission work? Spent a lot of time through almost all of Latin America, Asia, Pacifica, uh, Australia, New Zealand, most of Europe, a lot of Africa. 
I have never been to Russia. I've been to a lot of the stands, Uzbekistan, Afghanistan, India, the subcontinent. So those are all places I've had the privilege of being. You've also been a part of either working with or ahead of some missions organizations as well. I was the um, secretary general of a mission agency in Bolivia called Christian Missions Bolivia. And we only had like 45 missionaries from eight different countries and serving about 125 churches at that time. That's grown to about 200 churches today. The other organization I was with was International Teams. I was eventually the executive vice president of that organization and then served for about 20 years as the Latin American regional director with that. I also have the privilege right now to serve on two mission boards. One is an organization that's supported by Autumn Ridge, which is Nueva Esperanza. That's the Barajonas in Honduras. And then I'm also on the um, board of Singular, which is a Latin mission agency, which has about 40 Latin missionaries serving throughout the world. So then tell us, you know, through all this, how did you come to find yourself as the missions pastor at Autumn Ridge Church? The Lord has a way of opening doors and closing doors. He opened the door for us to go to Bolivia. It was the best place we could have been for so many years. Eventually, we were living in Costa Rica. I mean, Susan became quite ill in 2009. And by 2014, we realized we could no longer get her the medical care that she needed in Latin America. I remember one night I had to spend the whole night taking care of her. I say that because we employed a full-time nurse to care for her at night. And uh, the nurse couldn't be there that night. And so I was caring for her all night. And I was praying during that time. And I came to the idea that we had to leave where she could get the best care she needed. Two days later, they called me from Autumn Ridge Church. Uh, Bill Price called me and he said, Woody, I know you're going to say no, because I had said no a number of times when they'd asked me if I would consider coming back and joining the pastoral team. And so I did, in fact, say yes to him. And it was one of the hardest and easiest decisions I ever made in my life. Hardest because I love Latin America and I had to leave it because I love Susan. And the only person I've ever made vows with before God, before my family, before our friends. And I knew I had to care for her in that way. And it was the right decision, by the way. I'm so thankful I have a chance to minister with you folks. And I mean that. I don't just say that. No, I shouldn't say it in public because people might hear it. So. You already called us your favorites, so there's really no going well, back on I, that. Actually, anyway, moving on from that, we're both glad, uh, obviously, that you're here and that we get to work with you. And and one more connection. Derek, Woody, and and myself have all either spent time in Texas. We've all served in Texas, right? We're all, we're all, uh, have, a that's a, and Texas connections. So that, that's another, I've never, I said I would never go to Texas or live in Texas, I guess I should say. And of course, God then said, well, guess where you're going, Derek? And uh, I was there for three years doing ministry. So, and Woody, you were in Longview. Longview, Texas. Yeah. And that's, I, that's kind of cool. Cause I lived many, many years in Tyler, Texas, which is where I met my wife. And uh, we were basically neighbors. Great barbecue in East Texas. Absolutely great Some barbecue. Of the finest barbecue in the world. And Derek I and I were talking about that earlier. I do not want to hear this Kansas City advocates in our congregation. <laughs> East Texas barbecue all the way. Bodacious, right? You know bodacious. Bodacious, you bet. Man, bodacious is where it's at. Well, I know we could uh, spend just probably hours and hours hearing stories about us. Uh, different places you visited and different challenges you faced in the mission field. And, and perhaps one day down the road, uh, we can we can do that for a podcast. But specifically today, uh, you want to talk about how to raise children with gospel fluency and uh, mission interest. And uh, so talk to us a little bit about that. 
Well, first of all, I have to say we have three daughters. All three of our daughters are adults. Our youngest, she's 37 right now, our youngest. And our oldest, we won't give her age today. All three of our daughters have served in vocational Christian ministry. Two of them have served both in other countries and the United States. One has served for many, many years in Latin America and has now recently gone to Canada, which is where her husband is from. And so for us, it was a very real thing. How do our daughters grow up to have a love for, first of all, for Jesus Christ? And I think that's the key to it. We can't talk about missions without talking about having a love for the gospel, a love for Jesus Christ. And if they have that love for Jesus, then you can expose them to the nations as well. I actually called my daughters in the past few days preparing for this podcast and said, what did we do? Was there anything we did? They actually shared several ideas. One is they said, we were never just your kids. We were an, an integral part of the ministry with you. Ministry was not something different than what you did every day, but you included us. And as I started thinking of that, I thought, oh my, we made terrible mistakes. We made terrible. I remember when our daughter Krista was 11 years old, we had a a short-term missionary staying with us for about two months from New Zealand. She did not speak any Spanish, and she wanted to go and visit several different ministry sites. And so we said, well, we'll send Krista with her. Well, sending an 11-year-old girl to be the adult in a traveling duo of two women in Latin America probably was not the brightest thing I ever did. But it did give Krista the sense that I can do things. And today, Krista has been involved in ministry all of her adult life. She and her husband have set up a food uh, ministry in Chicago that during COVID fed 5,000 families. By the way, they had their kids involved in those kind of ministries too. And so our 12-year-old grandson who lives there just thinks it's natural to be involved in his parents' ministry. So you have three daughters, you said? Yes. Were all of them born while you were out in the mission field, or, or was there some crossover between being in the States and, and going to the mission field? All of our daughters were born in Bolivia, okay. so they all have dual citizenship. So I'm curious then, you know, how do you approach that as, as, as a dad, as, a, as, as Sue, as a mother? How do you approach that in, in raising them? Do you tell them, you know, you know, this is just life, or, you know, this is what we're doing here, we're, we're trying to help people, or how did you go about it? We wanted to give them a normality to say, this is just normal living. What we're doing here is normal. It's not abnormal. It's not spectacular. It's not heroic. This is just what people do. And you're Bolivian, and they, were, they went to Bolivian schools. They had um, same experiences as many other Bolivian kids. Still to this day, when they sing the words, the Bolivian National Anthem, they use the words the school kids make up in Bolivia, which makes it a very funny song, but not very patriotic. <laughs> and so that's how my daughters sing it. And and so that was just normal for that. As far as having children there, you know, we have two of our daughters are biological. Our oldest daughter is adopted, and she comes from a Quechua background and um, came to us actually when she was 15. Uh, her mother had died when she was 11. Her father died of alcohol poisoning when she was 15. And she had become a Christian, was part of our church. And really, there was no other option. But you know what? It's been one of the greatest blessings of our life. So you said that, that your children were partners in ministry with you. Uh, what else did your daughter share with you? What else uh, did you and Sue do? One of the things they mentioned is something that every parent in our church should know about, and I think they do, but it's so hard to put into practice for many people. 
But having family devotions, reading the Bible every day together, making that interesting. And I do believe it is a sin when parents make family devotions boring. And so we did different things that were age appropriate at different times, thinking of even doing this podcast with the sound equipment here and the headphones. Sometimes we'd have Krista read the devotions in her radio announcer voice. And she had a great radio announcer voice. And we would just laugh ourselves silly around the table, but we were still hearing the Word of God and still interacting about it. We also made conversation around the table to be very important. Who we had around our table with us. While we lived in Bolivia, we constantly had people in our homes that were from different countries, Bolivians themselves. One Christmas, we counted 14 nationalities in our house. But it, it was a wonderful thing for us to be able to have those kind of people around our table with us, to engage with them, to talk with them, and have that to be a natural thing. Family devotions, huge, important thing, uh, something I know I, I recommend to parents all the time. What I hear back from parents a lot of time, and, and I admit I struggle with it too every now and then, is well, where do we find the time? We were incredibly busy for most of our ministry career. You know that a 40-hour work week for a pastor is a very, very painful myth. <laughs> As you guys know, I went to part-time last September. Technically speaking, that should mean I have a certain amount of hours every week. I've, I figure I'm between 30 and 40 hours every week now. So we had to make time for that. But if, there, if you're interested in investing in your children, I can't think of a, a better investment to make uh, start reading the Bible with them when you're still in your arms so it's the most natural and normal thing for them to do. My parents were the one that modeled this to us. They said it was time to read, and for them, that was their family devotion time. It led to a lot of great conversations. We did that with our daughters. They're doing that with their children. So I think it's a crucial thing for biblical literacy, for conversation, for values, all of those things that give the people the essence of what this message is about. If we want to save money for our kids to go to college, if we want our kids to have the great sports opportunities they could have in a town like Rochester, why in the world would we not spend 10 minutes in the Word of God with them every single day? So Woody, if we've got families out there, maybe they are doing devotionals or, or maybe they're not, but they're thinking, hey, I want to get my kid involved in, in missions in some way. What kind of guidance would you give or how would you look at, because a lot of missions is kind of contextualized, you know, by the verse, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. How would you look at that and look at kind of our context and say to a parent, here's how your child, here's how you can get your child involved in missions. First of all, I think we have to develop interest in other cultures and other countries in the world. And so we truly need to make and form world Christians. Part of that happens just with having interest of what's happening in the world. U.S. news does not have a great deal to do with the world. While I think it's important to pray for things here, it's also important to know what's happening out in the world. And so when we inform ourselves, Susan and I, our preferred news outlet is BBC. And so we will literally watch world news. And so last night as we sat down to watch, we had news about Myanmar. We had news about Mozambique, which is tremendous violence going on there right now. People do not hear about it here in the States. 
We were listening to some things happening in India and Bangladesh. When we learn about the nations, we develop interest in the nations, and we normalize that as well. Right here in Rochester, 6.5% of the population here in Rochester self-identify as Muslims. About half of those are, are people that are coming from a Somali background. The other half are coming from a wide variety of Muslim countries. We need to know our neighbor across the street who happens to be a Muslim. We have about 7% of our population here in Rochester who are Hispanic. Many of them speak Spanish as a first language. That was not the case when I grew up in this area as a, as a boy. Today, there's the world has come here, and literally we can learn a great deal about different cultures right here. So I would say get to know the world. I have a few suggestions too. I, I think kids could write our missionaries. We used to love getting letters. Find missionaries that will respond. Find missionaries with kids. Get them involved in writing back and forth. Those kids would love to hear from someplace else and love to have that kind of relationship. Maybe you can't do it through mail. Maybe it's a first lesson in email for your kid. I think you can get kids involved right here, but you can give them a vision for the world as well. But part of that is what the media we take in as parents and the information we're going to share and talk about with our kids as well. So if somebody wanted to get their kid to maybe write, or even as a family, write some of our missionaries, how how would they go about that? Where, where would they find that information? Is there a, a place online? It'd be real easy to pick up one of our missionary guides that we have around the church. They can see a missionary. They can look at them and say, well, we'd like to try making contact with them. Two, they can come into our office anytime here at Autumn Ridge, our missions office. We'd be glad to give them contact information for certain missionaries and the rules behind that because a number of our missionaries serve in what we call restricted access countries. So if you're writing a child of a, of a parent in one of those countries, you have to avoid some of the, the Christianese and some of the Christian language, but you could still build a relationship with them. I can think of one little boy that's in one country like that right now that would love to have some friends here in Rochester. So beyond, you know, writing letters and, and investing in missionaries' lives, essentially, what about parents with kids, you know, maybe first, second grade on up? Would you encourage those families to do some short-term mission trips, you know, with a, an organization or within the church? Or do you think it might be best for the kids to be older, like uh, how our student program, they, they generally, when COVID's not going on, are able to do mission trips for middle school and, and uh, through high school? I would say that going as a family can be a great thing. We've had families from Autumn Ridge that came and visited us in Costa Rica, and we had wonderful times with them. They stayed in our, our facility that we had. We um, were able to take them around to different places or arrange for them to go visit different places. They told us afterwards it was a very satisfying experience for them as a family. We didn't think they were going to do too much for us, by the way. But we did think we could invest in them as part of our home church, and it was a wonderful thing to do. There are some people that speak against short-term missions today. I understand why. If a short-term group is going to go to someplace, impose their program on someone, if they're going to go and they're not willing to be learners, instead they think they're going to give everything, that's, that's going to be very, very counterproductive. But if we are in good communication, Derek, you and I know we've talked about this. I'm always thinking that short-term missions are meant to create long-term relationships. And so we go back to the same places again and again many times because we want to develop a long-term relationship. 
I think that those kind of experiences where we are going as learners, where we are going doing their agenda, not ours, and where we engage on, on how they would have us engage with the people around them, that allows us to have a, a good, healthy missions experience. I have seen teenagers grow up in this church who have gone through a number of missions experiences. I've seen how that has affected their gospel fluency and their walk with the Lord. I've also seen how that has affected their long-term interest in missions. There's actually been studies done on this, and one of the most important things with it is not necessarily the work you do, but the relationships you build. Many people who are probably economically distressed as well live in relational poverty. And that's one thing we can do is if we go in a legitimate relationship, legitimate ministry, that allows us to build those relationships which can last. What about, you know, for a parent who says, you know, short-term missions, it's great. I'm not ready for that. What would be some maybe opportunities here like in Rochester or places that, that Autumn Ridge is connected with and partners with that maybe opportunities for parents and their families to get connected with, maybe have even just kind of first-time experiences of serving? Well, there's several ways you can do that here. One that comes to my mind is Friendship Place. We have worked with Friendship Place for a number of years now. They are primarily at this time, their population group has changed over the years from this group to that group to the other group. And it's kind of between Hispanic and Somali right now. But if you were to go and do something special with the kids there at Friendship Place, you'd engage them in different uh, cultural groups right now. There are opportunities here. I think it's important for parents to understand, like going across cultures and to go across borders or to go internationally. Fantastic. It's awesome. But there's also opportunities even here in Rochester. I would say it could be as simple as inviting your neighbors over for supper and having your kids there. Strange as that sounds, it happens so rarely. But who's the person that lives on the other side of the fence in your backyard? Go and meet them purposely. Invite them for a meal. Susan and I are inviting. We live in a, in a building that has 15 condo units in it. We live on the first floor. Up on the third floor is a South African that's married to a lady from Minnesota here. We've invited them to come to our house for supper. We'll have a chance to sit down and talk with them more. Something as easy as inviting your neighbors or someone you'd like to get to know. I think that's very important. And then go out and find some service things. And for the record, I think there needs to be a balance both between needs in our area here and needs overseas. I don't think either one should dominate. Now, I'm always going to advocate for global experiences, okay? Um, that's just who I am. But as a pastor here at this church, we need to have a balance between what is reaching out right here in Rochester and then what is reaching out in other places. It's not either or. No, it's not. It's I don't, a both and. We, and we need to say this. Our, our particular congregation has a real advantage. Most churches like Autumn Ridge that has a, have a, um, a keen idea for reaching out to our community around us, and I hope you hear that in Pastor Rick's messages, but wanting to reach out to the people right here, they lose their vision for the global. Autumn Ridge hasn't lost that. And then some churches who have such a vision for the global have almost no vision for something local. We have a great advantage, and we ought to take advantage of that and live that out. A lot of our listeners aren't in the Rochester area, which is awesome. So how could somebody beyond Minnesota uh, reach out to you here at the church, Woody? There's an email address they can use, and it's missions 
at autumnridgechurch.org. That will actually go to two people. It will go to me, and then it will go to the lady that will probably most quickly respond to it, and that's Mary Van Pearson. MVP. Yeah, and she works in the missions department here. So missions at autumnridgechurch.org. We'll put that in the show notes for you. You know, kind of we always do a wrap-up here. Um, you've shared a lot of great information. And again, I feel like we could talk to Woody for, for hours on end and just learn so much from you. What would be just one final bit of advice you want to give parents trying to expose their children to the world around them and to serving those around them? Don't run from your kids' questions, not the hard questions either. When my daughter Krista was about 13 or 14, we were eating supper one night, and she looked at me across the table and said, Papi, we, we speak Spanish and English in our home. She said, Papi, how can God be good if my best friend's parents are getting divorced? Powerful question. And we had a wonderful conversation that night. Never run from the hard questions. Lean into the hard questions. And as you lean into those hard questions, always try to bring the gospel to bear and also the life that we're meant to live as disciples of Jesus Christ, which is a missional lifestyle. I actually think this is a long-term process. You don't do this one day. You don't do this in one event. We should not see this as event-driven. It has to be a lifetime with our children that we have the opportunity to disciple them. For the parents who are listening to this, I think one of the greatest opportunities you have as a parent is to disciple your children and not to do that when they're just three or four, when they fold their hands when they're seven and, and pray a prayer to receive Jesus Christ. But no, I think it's an entire process that parents have the opportunity to disciple their children to be followers of Jesus who reflect both his character and his priorities. So I think that's what I would leave with people. Robert stole this last episode from me, kind of the final, my final recap thoughts. Well, take turns. And uh, no, no, this is my thing. You stole it. (laughs) Uh, So I'm going to steal it back this week. He'll probably steal it again in next week or something like that. But so the things that I kind of took away first, you talked about, Missions is going to start first and foremost with helping your your child, your student, have a love for the gospel. And that's right. And that's got to be number one. If that's yes. not number one, the rest of it's not going to work out. No. Two, I think you beautifully added that missions should start by including your kids as you do it, and not an expectation that they're just going to do it on their own, that you include them and do it together to kind of instill that. Third was start at home. Like who 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 do you, who lives around you? Who's your neighbors? Who are the people that are around your family, and who can you invest in and reach out to? Just right at home, without even thinking about going far. Just next door neighbors and people that live near you. Four is look for the opportunities to then go internationally or go to a, a another kind of context that you know for missions and to branch that out. But don't just have one over the other, and don't only focus on one, but having a mix. Yeah. I think I think you've captured it well. I would add one other thing, mm-hmm. and that is have your kids pray and have them pray for your neighbors, have them pray for their community, and have them pray for the world. That will both inform them and it will also uh, develop an interest in them. So I pray for those people. Well, Woody, we greatly appreciate you taking the time to, uh, you know, from your new semi-retired uh, pastoral <laughs> state that you're in right now to come join us for the podcast. I don't think Woody's ever going to be fully retired. No. I think no. knowing Woody, he's never going to fully be retired, quote unquote. You're just going to keep on going, aren't you, Woody? 
Well, I'm I'm just going to wander around the church until <laughs> you guys have to explain who that wacko guy is. And just wander into our meetings yeah, aimlessly. Just, yeah. I, I support that completely. Yeah. <laughs> I, I want to see you here for a long, long time. I did it the other day. You I did do it the other day. day. Now, do now, I belong here? Woody, thank you so My much. Privilege. Parents, thank you so much for listening. Uh, next week. We have another one of our favorite people at Autumn Ridge Church. We have Erica Kelly coming in. Uh, Erica runs yes. Christos Bookstore here at Autumn Ridge Church. Potentially the absolute nicest human being that has she's ever in the been. running. She has to be. If she's not, she's in the running. She should definitely be in the running. Wonderful woman going to talk to us about some of the different resources that uh, Christos offers for parents and, and for everybody in general. So we hope you will attune back in for that. Be sure to subscribe, leave us a review, help us in those podcast rankings as people are searching for uh, this resource to help them out. And uh, Derek, hope you enjoy the rest of your week, man. You too. All right. Take care all there, parents. Bye, everybody. Thank you for listening to The Parent Podcast. The Parent Podcast is produced by Autumn Ridge Church and Robert Nash. Our sound engineer is Ian Benoit. Our theme song is Silver Skies by Geome. Follow us on Twitter at Parent Podcast or on Instagram at The Parent Podcast. You can email us with questions or topics you would like us to cover at parentpodcast at autumnridgechurch.org. For more information on Autumn Ridge Church, please visit autumnridge.church. Thank you for listening.